The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. It's time to face the music. It's your day in court with a people's lawyer, Bruce Hagan, and attorney Ray Judice. As we start every show, if you ever need expert legal advice and guidance, I cannot advise you more than to pick up the phone and reach out to the two gentlemen that are on this show every week. This is your day in court on Extra 106.3. Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice, some of the uh, the most uh, successful lawyers in Atlanta, maybe even the country. Maybe uh, the universe. Maybe the universe, even. But uh, if folks need to get a hold of you, probably is not as uh, as difficult as getting through the universe. You can probably just pick up the phone. And I'm sorry to limit it to the universe because um, potentially the metaverse. Yes, I, that. I, it's Which one is... of those things I don't really know what it is or what it means. <laughs> it's and, like and the I, dark web. And I, it's like the dark web. And I'm a Marvel <laughs> Comics fan, but um, there are apparently I've seen this like lawyer ads in the metaverse. Oh, so man. it's already happening, and and that just means that guys like me and Ray get solicited by folks who sell ads to say, hey, you could be first and have this. Experience exclusive um, neighborhood get your billboard in the metaverse so um, trying to figure out uh, what that even means before <laughs> telling them uh, no I'm not interested we don't do that but but with that despite not advertising in the metaverse you can still find me uh, Bruce at hagen-law.com check out our website h-a-g-e-n-law.com call me at 404 404- 202-2233. Happy to take your calls anytime. Got several calls this week um, from folks who listen to our show. Uh, and thank you so much for doing that and, and for calling. Uh, and it was not for anything that we could help them with. But, you know, like one person um, did the thing that Ray and I would tell them never do. Right. And, and it was they signed a release oh, no. with the insurance company uh, after having been in a wreck. And then called me two days later to say, hey, what can I do? I just signed this release and already sent it to them. Um, and I looked at the release and talked about it said, well, if it was procured by fraud, maybe we could help you get out of it. But realistically, you should have called me first. What else yeah. can I tell you? You know, yeah. don't sign anything. Yeah. It, it, it's something that the big TV advertising lawyers say, and I hate them uh, in general. Uh, but in this case, they're right. Don't sign something from the yeah. insurance company and then talk to a lawyer. Talk to the lawyer first. So uh, couldn't help them. But point being, even when we can't help you, we certainly appreciate the call and are always going to give you uh, straight up answers to whatever your question might be. A lot of times someone will call me about something like that or, hey, I got something in the mail. And Nowadays, with technology, I could be at home on a Sunday morning having a cup of coffee, and I'll say, just take a picture of it, text it over to me, let me look at it, let's talk for 10 minutes after I've reviewed the document, maybe we can prevent a whole lot of trouble, as uh, the phone caller to Bruce is is maybe not in trouble, but is certainly not happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, that that speaks poorly of the insurance industry, only in the sense that we Bruce and I both know what they did. They found uh, a number slightly above whatever the medical bill was or the damage to property and sent it to them with a little half a page release. Says cash check, sign here, send it back to us or fax it back. And that's, you know, I like to say those cases are deader than Elvis. You know, Elvis comes back every mm-hmm. once in a while at the del- Jelly Donut Shop or the Bowen right. Alley or whatever. Right. So, so go ahead and text it to me at 404-964-4185. That's my cell number. 
My email is ray at rayglaw.com. Real simple. I've got a nice web page and a lot of information and some of the various uh, social media stuff and TV stuff and radio things I've done over the years. So you can see if you want to work with me. There you go. Well, I encourage you to uh, reach out to both of them and figure out where the best fit is and how you can be helped. I want to start the show with this Supreme Court's leak for the opinion that was going to be released, I guess, much later on. Um, now they're trying to track down who leaked the draft opinion that would overturn or potentially overturn Roe versus Wade, and they're taking steps to require the law clerks to provide cell phone records and sign affidavits. That's according to CNN, and some of the clerks are pretty alarmed by it and have picked up independent counsel to uh, to to make sure that their rights are protected, much like that I encourage you if you feel like you need legal counsel to reach out to uh, Ray and Bruce. So where do y'all see this going? Because this is pretty unprecedented. It is, and certainly um, I, I would hope that the justices of the Supreme Court would be the last ones who would be critical of their law clerks saying that we need independent counsel here to advise us on our rights, on whether we're required to turn this information over. Um, you know, this is a an internal review. Um, it's really, in my view, it's really more of an employment issue than anything else of like, can your employer compel you to turn over your cell phone if mm -hmm. sensitive information from your employer has been leaked to the outside? You know, I mean, this all goes back to uh, beginning of May when um, the draft opinion that was circulating internally at the Supreme Court among the justices um, that uh, if that's the actual opinion would have the effect of overturning Roe versus Wade, you know, that was provided to somebody at Politico and published um, which is never done. I mean, this is such a breach of internal rules at the Supreme Court that you have this kind of violation. Well, nobody knows where it came from. Nobody knows if it's the clerks. Nobody knows if it's any of the justices themselves, right? I mean, there's conspiracy theories abounding, you know? I mean, certainly in light of information that came out from the January 6th panel about emails that Clarence Thomas's wife um, was sending to um, influential folks both within the Trump administration as well as at various states where they were having um, challenges to the elections. You know, some concern over could this have come from Clarence Thomas or his wife? You know, wherever it came from, it should never have been published. And so the court certainly is justified in trying to get to the bottom of what happened here. Um, whether the clerks are required to turn over that information, you know, for we don't know what sort of employment agreement they sign when mm -hmm. they take that job. Um, these guys are, uh, Ray would agree, they're the smartest of the smartest, the brightest of the brightest. They are the number one in their class at typically the most elite law schools in the country who get those opportunities to work at the Supreme Court as a law clerk for the judge, which, uh, again, people may be confused by the name clerk. This is not like the um, person who bags your groceries at Publix or Kroger. Yeah, that's right. I mean, they are the best of the best, at least in the uh, world of academia. Uh, they might not be able to come down here with the people like me and Bruce and uh, get you out of trouble. or Peeps lawyer. Yeah. I mean, you, come get on. Get case settled. But, but, you know, there's different kind of lawyers for different kind of jobs. I, I couldn't have been a law clerk for a Supreme Court justice either because I would have said, why are we wasting our time? This is stupid. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know my patience level. Right. But, uh, again, these are serious people with a serious job. Uh, each Supreme Court justice, I believe, gets four clerks. The, this, the chief may get an extra one or two. Uh, they select them from uh, either 
They are either clerking for lower federal court judges or appellate court judges, or they're right out of academia or out of the big law firms. These are very prestigious jobs. Uh, I would assume that they sign a confidentiality agreement. Uh, they are bound by the canons of ethics because they are all lawyers. Uh, so that means if they were practicing law at a big law firm and uh, they were asked to draft a memo, which is of no insignificance on a big case, well, they shouldn't leak it. They would be in violation of their employment agreement. They would be in violation of their agreement and confidentiality with the client and probably the bar association rules of that state, or in this case of the D.C. Circuit. So I think there's plenty of trouble <clears throat> that somebody could be in. Mm -hmm. I'm not so sure it's going to rise to the level of criminality. Uh, everyone, the other part of this is, is what about the other side of the equation? Uh, what about the, uh, the publisher and the uh, journalist over at Politico? What did they do to obtain this document? Okay, now, I don't think there's going to be any uh, criminal legal ramifications, but let's say they paid money for this or there was some value in trade or something even more nefarious. So I think there will at least be some part of the investigation. And it was why was Politico so interested in digging around about the outcome of this uh, draft opinion? What, what's their political bent? Uh, that is not a neutral website or media outlet. Yeah, and it may be that you know they sort of have it out there much in the same way that uh, TMZ does of just, hey, we're letting people know if you've got something here that um, is newsworthy, we're prepared to pay for it. Send it to right? us. Send it to us. We're, we're, we'll pay you for it. Um, and, and they don't ask the questions of was this legally or illegally obtained. If you're giving it to us, it's legal as far as we're concerned. Um, and, and Ray's pointed this out that you know this breach of protocol at the Supreme Court does not rise to a level that it violates any criminal laws we're aware of. Um, it's just that it's so wrong because it's never done. It's 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 like a, a violation of the unwritten rules of baseball, you know. And and there at least there's a means to settle that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, Hit by pitch, particularly where <laughs> pitchers have to uh, have to bat, and you which know, doesn't exist this anymore <laughs> before this season. Um, or hockey, you know, and hockey sort of polices its own, as ugly as it may get at times. So there's nothing like that here. And and um, yeah, the the ethical breach could lead to a disbarment or a, you know, the bar taking some action. But um, interesting to see if we ever, in fact, see, because there's no guarantee that the results of this investigation would ever be made public. I mean, we feel that there's a public interest in knowing what happens. Um, that doesn't require the court to disclose anything of their internal investigation, what they find. Yeah, I think, though, that Politico, if they can get wind of it, might release it to show, hey, it wasn't us. You know, we have clean hands here. Somebody brought this story to us, and since we're journalists, we felt it was newsworthy, and, and I can't argue with that. I, I didn't like the fact that it's released, re irregardless of the political direction of the draft, and it is a draft, and I think the final result will be something different, but that's, that's another conversation perhaps for another day. Um, but, you know, no, if you had asked uh, Justice Alito 20 years ago, how he would have written this, it pretty much he already he's already <laughs> yeah. pretty much told everybody. So now that he's got five votes instead of four, or in theory, uh, it, it to many lawyers 
this rough draft comes as little surprise. At its best, the Supreme Court is a deliberative body, and we'd like to think that it's nine justices sitting around a table all reviewing the details and facts of the case, uh, and they're all there just sort of hashing it out. Everybody gets their say, and then they go back to, the, to their rooms and figure it out. But realistically, the way they deliberate oftentimes is by circulating these drafts, and they lay out their opinions, and other justices may be on board with what the, the author is saying, and others may not be, and they write their own dissent, and then people get on board with the dissent or a concurrence, and, and so this is the way their deliberations work. So um, to Ray's point, the draft that comes out initially uh, very often is modified, not necessarily completely reversed or or totally turned around by the time it gets to a final published opinion, but there's no reason to think that this draft would be the final language, although it's likely to be extremely similar, if not virtually identical. Well, I, I, think, I think Bruce is correct uh, on what the final outcome opinion will be but what's going to be interesting is what do the votes look like so if it's a five to four it becomes a law of the land if it's a four four one with the one being a concurrence in the outcome based on this factual scenario it governs the is it a mississippi law i believe it governs that but it may not extend precedent to other states i i know we're getting yeah. deep yeah, in the we're weeds, into the weeds. Yeah. but but <laughs> The outcome is is not necessarily so automatic as everybody is led to believe because I, I'm I was surprised and I think I will be surprised if uh, the chief justice signs on to this draft as it exists, and especially I'll, since he seems to be more politically savvy or at least concerned than some others, and you know the immediate backlash that took place. It would be impossible for these folks not to notice it. You know, they don't live in Mr. Freeze's lair, you know, where they're just insulated from the mm -hmm. rest of the they world. They live in a regular neighborhood. They, yeah, and so and so it'd be impossible. I mean, hate to say it, I think they've had protests outside their door. Yeah, they have. It's, it's, it's been, it would be impossible for them not to be aware of what's happening and perhaps have some regard for um, the impact on society of this kind of decision. And Justice Roberts has also been very sensitive that he is the chief justice should write the opinion or at least lead the opinion in its direction on these type of huge politically sensitive cases, whether it was Obamacare and others examples of that. So he may take this draft, modify it to where he can get four votes to, for his draft, which is maybe a diluted version of the Alito draft. But again, we're getting into the weeds. But the real point is that the, the trickle down uh, of every federal district court, of which in the state of Georgia, there's what, at least four. There's a northern district, a southern district, the eastern here in, in Atlanta at the Richard Russell building. There's appellate courts. There's, what, 13 court of appeals. I mean, every one of those justices is saying, holy smokes, is there a, you know, a, a, a mole, a yeah. rat yeah. running around with our opinions? Yeah. And what about the sanctity of, of the cloakroom or of the coffee room where they sit down finally and vote? And is that is that going to be violated yeah yeah it's interesting chief uh, justice roberts met with the clerks as a group after the breach and it's uh, not been established whether it was an individual interview with everyone or just a, a group interview but uh, we'll see how it all shakes out this is your day in court on extra 1063 when we come back there's been a fifth grader arrested for threatening to shoot up a school we'll talk about this 10 year old boy next on extra 1063 and your day in court 
The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. Hey everybody, Buck Ballou here, and as a recent customer of Jim Ellis Automotive and a longtime friend of the Vice President, Stacey Ellis, man, I know Jim Ellis Automotive Group takes pride in being a family-owned and operated business. I saw it firsthand. When Stacey's granddad, Jim Ellis, founded the company back in 71, his goal was to treat every customer like family by offering a car buying experience that was both easy and fully transparent. And it worked. 50 years later, Stacy's dad, Jimmy Ellis, grew the organization to become Georgia's largest family-owned and operated automotive group. And today, third-generation family members like Stacy, along with more than 1,700 dedicated team members, are working hard to uphold the values Jim Ellis Automotive was founded on. And that's why Jim Ellis has been around for over 50 years. Enjoy the advantages of buying your next vehicle from a family-owned and operated dealership. Visit JimEllis.com or stop by any of their 20 dealerships located throughout Metro Atlanta. Jim Ellis Automotive, where you can always expect the best. This is Your Day in Court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice on Extra 106.3. Welcome back. It is Your Day in Court with renowned lawyers Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice. I want to get into a topic that is it's one that is, is happening throughout the country. But this one is unique in the fact that a Florida fifth grader has been arrested and charged with threatening a mass shooting, a mass shooting, according to police in Lee County. This was a 10 year old that had made a written threat and texted it to someone. And it basically said, um, I'm planning to shoot, shoot up a school. I'm planning to shoot this thing up. I, I just it, I struggle to understand um, how to, how to handle this with a 10 year old. I, I can't imagine my own 10 year old being in this situation. And, and I'm certainly not the you know father of the year or anything, but. I feel like I was I'm very dialed into my son's life and I, I would have an idea that he would would do something like this. Or am I just being naive? No, no, you're not being naive at all. Um, I lived in Florida for a while. And um, unfortunately, while we all hear the stories of Florida man mm-hmm. and, and, you know, the things that Florida man <laughs> yeah. tends to do, <laughs> which right? is crazy. Typically. Um, you know, there's nothing biologically that prevents Florida man from having Florida children. Yeah, right. And um you know, this just very well may be an example of Florida man has bred, and and so now he's got a crappy little fifth grader, um, and and you know, the the brain as we know, particularly in boys, does not form right, right at a, a so young like age and twenties, early twenties. We, we want to excuse even the the behavior of eighteen to twenty five year olds, as saying you know their brain is Have still being formed. Have you ever talked to the sales staff out here? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, so we know that. So what, you know, you can't expect anything out of a ten year old, right? I mean, but at the same time, look, Parkland was in Florida. Mm-hmm. That, that's very recent still. Now that ten year old was what five years old when the that happened. Shooting at the uh, nightclub, right? The shooting in Orlando at, at the Pulse nightclub, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know. All of these things are in this kid's lifetime. You got to assume if this kid goes to school, the kid participates in active shooter drills. Um, God, he's screaming out for attention, right? Clearly. So, so when the police go and arrest the five, the fifth grader, 
Do they go and arrest the parents too? Uh, do they do they look and make sure like do you have guns in the house? Because if you do, we're taking them. Do you, do you know? I'm sorry. Uh, you want you want to complain about a violation of your rights? Tell it to the judge. We're taking your guns. We may take this kid away from you, uh, at least temporarily, until uh, our state. Uh, protective services has the ability to look into your qualifications as a parent. Um, there needs to be some level of supervision, and particularly, you know, you like to tell people, "Hey, know the room, N- know the audience, yeah, sure. uh, ha- have a sense of awareness about you." There's never a, a good time to make a threat like that, but if there's ever a worse time to do it, it's, it's right, right now. now yeah. you, you know, and so um, nobody's blaming these authorities for stepping in here. The the headline of fifth grader arrested sounds ridiculous, um, but not arresting fifth grader at this stage um, and just saying that, hey, we're going to tell mommy and daddy, um, that would be even more ridiculous. Well, one of the one of the terrible, amongst many other terrible impacts of the recent Texas shooting is now you've got law enforcement, in my opinion, I think this is the first of many examples to come, are going to respond all the way, the pendulum's going to swing all the way over. Uh, instead of saying, well... You know, he's a 10-year-old, and what could possibly happen? And, you know, we don't really know. We'll get into it soon. No, this this sheriff said, I didn't waste a second. Yeah, not you know, one second. To, you want to accuse me of overreacting? Fair. You know, I got, I got a, I got a hand, an Italian hand signal for you, okay? Yeah, right. <laughs> and that's how we're going to play it. And I think you're going to see, for rightly or wrongly, you're going to see more of that. Uh, and I can't. How can you fault the sheriff? No, you're right, and especially where the intense criticism has been on the police response or lack of response yeah. to this active shooter at the school. Happened at Parkland, too, the one officer who didn't yeah, apparently want to go. Yeah, he ran the school yeah, resources yeah, right. officer that didn't, didn't act. So, you know, when the police get criticized, they get prickly about it, and uh, this guy's like, no one's going to criticize me that I didn't act. You know, we're on top of it. Right. You know, so, yeah, the, we get an overreaction here, as you see in, in other contexts as well. Um, and Ray's right. Uh, this is what this is the world we're now forced to live in uh, because you have a horrible thing happen. And we always look for who can we blame here? And people are going to say, well, we're not going to blame them the second time around. Well, last Friday, I was a guest on uh, Tug and Rhino's show on uh, 106.3. And interestingly enough, Rhino took a very interesting why can't the cops just come and knock on your door and take a peek inside your house and see what's going on i'm like what am i an npr what (laughs) am i in a a fantasy world here of course not so there's all this balancing that has to go on uh of course now law enforcement nowadays can get a search warrant so quickly and so easily by skype by facebook by all the zoom and, and team uh so there's they now have the really no excuse to say, "Hey, we got a report of a ten-year-old who in his house has an you know an AR-15 and he's alone." Off, you know, Judge, I need a I need a warrant right now to get in there for just for just for a healthcare check. And we're going to see more and more of that. I also think what we're going to start to see is more. I, I hate to use the word snitching, but I'm training. If I have a young child, Eyes I'm open. telling that child tell. Mommy and daddy and the teacher and the nurse and the coach, everything. Anybody going to listen. Don't cover for your buddy. Your buddy might be, you know, the next person. You know, you parents out there who have kids in middle school, high school, um, talk to your kids 
ask them. I guarantee you that they all talk among themselves of who's the person in our grade most likely to shoot I up the school. Right. And 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 they they have it on their list and they know who it is. Um, and this is the way kids are. And and you know it's what does that kid have in common from school to school and community to community? Probably a lot of the same things. They are screaming out for attention in all kinds of negative ways. They're the subject of light or intense bullying. They're excluded socially from different things. They're not the cool kid, um, you know, who, who gets invited to all the parties and has all the opportunities for dates and what, you know, whatnot, just depending on the age. Um, and they're the one that creeps people out. And, and, and nobody really thinks it, but they all have their list and they know who these kids are. Yeah, and I think the kids are afraid of... I can't fault them. We, we teach them not to shame people who are different than them or uh, have some disabilities or handicaps or come from a different way of life or culture. And at the same time, we're asking our kids, you know, that, that nerdy kid that doesn't talk to anybody and comes to school in camouflage and wrap around sunglasses. Yeah. You know, remember the guy who used to work up by David's office? I always, he always worried me. <laughs> I always, I always <laughs> said, if I saw him come in here with camouflage in a duffel bag, this is a four-story building. I'm going right out the window, man. Right. I may break a couple ankles, but I'm going to crawl on my car. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, I know exactly. But a lovely guy. <laughs> until, yeah, until right. That, you're right. But no, seriously, so, so this is a tight rope. Teachers have to say, hey, I've got 30 students. Uh, I've got kids that, that have got their hand up and are engaged and doing their homework, and I've got kids that are from uh, difficult home lives, and I've got kids that maybe aren't getting two or three meals a day. And then I've got this other kid in the back that really doesn't say a word, and he's no problem, and you know what? I don't have time. I've got 29 other problems. Right, right. So, you know, just like you see the overcorrection out of um, the police in response to this tragedy in Texas— um, don't you think we're likely to see a response yes. out of federal government, state governments to step in and do something? You know, I mean, um, Biden has said he's going to um, try to reach across the aisle to rational Republicans about um, what measures can be done here to try to come up with some sort of um, sensible legislation as it relates to things like background checks and encourage the states to do the same. And, um, you know, if if polling numbers are true, which who knows what to believe there, um, you know, a lot of people and the vast majority of people are not opposed to things like background checks and, and even restrictions based on age, right? So it's like, hey, we're not saying that nobody can own this sort of weapon, but we might say that you got to be old enough to drink beer before you can buy one of these. Or if you're, you know, look at learner's permits and, and young drivers, right? We, we ease them into driving privileges before they can drive by themselves. They have to establish themselves as a certain degree of responsibility and, and avoid distraction by saying, so for the first six months, you can't have strangers in your car or, or no or more friends. than one other person. Friends, right? You can only drive with family. So, you know, the idea that you can place some restrictions on the age at which people can purchase weapons, the type of weapons they can purchase, um, sort of ramp up gun ownership and other things too, right? You know, background checks, sanity checks. Um, I expect to see legislation and I think that we're at a point now where, um, depending on where these politicians are, they're willing to stand up to the NRA and the gun lobby and say, all right, look, maybe you think we're wrong here and maybe this ends up getting shot down in court, pardon the pun, but you know, th this is challenged and, and found to be um, a violation of the second amendment in court, but we're willing to take a chance because 
I'm not going to be the one who is criticized for doing nothing when this happened under my watch as a legislature legislator. Well, um, we talked about the Heller decision a few a few minutes before we went on air, which is a 2008 Supreme Court case, District of Columbia versus Heller, and the District of Columbia had enacted some pretty stringent. I think I think at least I thought they were pretty stringent and restrictive weapons. Uh, rules and laws about ownership and use. Their crime rate is off the charts. If you've ever been to D.C. Uh, and see see what goes on, and the crime rate is, is just horrific. And so the the you know the powers that be decided to enact th- these uh, gun statutes, and the Supreme Court in a five four decision said no. Well, two of the law clerks for the justices that actually signed on to the opinion said no no no. You're reading this too restrictively. It doesn't say what you think it says. And just as Bruce was saying, uh, the law clerks and many, many legal scholars are saying, no, 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 it's not an absolute right under the Second Amendment. Every right can have, uh, you have a right to travel, right? It's in the the Constitution. You have a right to own an automobile. The state is going to make you buy insurance. Mm. They're going to make you wear a seatbelt or penalize you. They're going to make you have a hands-free device or penalize you. You have to have a child seat. There's responsibilities that go along with your rights. Uh, I've always thought, uh, perhaps, and and as a gun owner under my homeowner's policy, should we have to have insurance in case somebody gets hurt by negligence or an accident? Uh, What about third-party behavior? My weapon is stolen out of my vehicle and it comes up in a crime because I didn't secure my vehicle. I'm really surprised uh, to come to that point about insurance that um, homeowners policies haven't excluded correct this this sort of thing because if I think Heller would let them do it it would and yeah. if, and and to have you know so how would that change things if your homeowners insurance decided that we're not going to cover you if there is an accidental discharge of your weapon that causes an injury or death and 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 um, you know because you didn't secure well, your unless weapon you took properly steps. Or so that you sort left of thing, your right? keys in your car your car gets stolen. Your insurance well, company says, hey, 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 you know, give us a break. And intervening crime would be a different story here, typically. Right. But, you know, suppose you're the person who, well, I don't think having a gun in the safe locked up where nobody knows the combination but me um, is enough protection in case somebody breaks into my home in the middle of the night. I need a loaded gun, you know, in my nightstand um, so that I'm ready in case I need to protect myself or my family. Well, now along comes, you know, 14-year-old babysitter or your kid and and they're playing with this gun and somebody gets shot and hurt or killed um you know when homeowners policy say we're not going to cover that you know you can go bankrupt on this your assets are at risk and that's how you modify people's behavior by taking money out of their pocket or making them buy a an extra premium policy for that type of coverage but bruce i wanted to say one thing about the politics of this uh and it's just ray judice's opinion first of all i don't think a president on his or her own do executive action can do very much in this area. That's my my opinion. Uh, they can maybe have the FBI uh, have some more enforcement of, of weapons, and the federal courts can be, you know, encouraged the DOJ to have stricter guidelines and punishments for illegal weapons or improper use of weapons. But I think the big problem, Bruce, is that I think a bunch of reasonable people, even in, even if they could be found in our, our U.S. Uh, House of Representatives and Senate, could agree on some things, but it's the riders. You, you'll never get a clean bill that says, you know, that, that is a one, one, I hate to use the word target, 
but we're going to target this particular part of this issue because by the time it comes back to the House of Representatives, it's going to be so loaded down with so many extra riders and extra restrictions and significant curtailment of the Second Amendment that it'll never get through the United States Senate. Now, yeah, that's just my no, view. No, but I mean, that's that's a sad and jaded view, but maybe realistic sad, of how the process works, right? It's like we've lived long enough that yeah. why would we ever think that these guys are going to get anything right? Um, and yet, you, you know, hopefully we live in a world where there's consequences at the um, on, on Election Day and that it becomes increasingly embarrassing and difficult to support a position where all you're doing is standing in the way of somebody who's making it a good faith effort to really try to get something done that's protective. And so while the president, look, I, we've seen presidents issue executive orders that probably go way beyond what should be the power of sure. the executive branch to, to on, say, right? On both sides, yeah, too. Yes, no, the, right. The past administration and the current administration. It's, it's, it's gone on, and, and the administration before and that, the one right? Before I mean, that, yeah, sure. Because of the deadlock among our legislators, the the use of the executive order has really gone bananas because it's sort of like I can't I have an agenda as a president and I'd like to see the uh, this legislature sort of enact my agenda or push it here but I can't get anything done I'm going to just order it um, but whether that would be within a president's power or not the idea that at the legislative level something can be done. Um, is real and there should be consequences to those who either try to do it if that's against the will of the voters in their community or the ones who stand in the way and and unfortunately there's been no consequences whatsoever and the point of the article you're mentioning about the Heller decision is that while Heller did say that the District of Columbia cannot tell you you're not you're you're not allowed to own a handgun in your own home um, by no means did that decision go as far as to say that the Second Amendment is untouchable and right. that states can't pass laws that would put reasonable restrictions on your use of a gun and your ability to own a gun. Well, there's a case working its way through the Supreme Court now that's out of the state of New York. New York, of course, under the Sullivan Act, we're both New Yorkers, which was under Nelson, Republican uh, Governor Nelson Rockefeller back in the 70s. Very restrictive especially handgun laws in the state of New York, uh, not so much for hunting rifles. Um, everybody thinks that New York City com takes up 99% of the state of New York. It does not. Most right. of New York State, north of the Tappan Zee Bridge, which is now the Mario Cuomo <laughs> Bridge, are uh, people that have guns because they shoot deer and they shoot birds and they hunt and they fish and they do all those things. That's what upstate New York looks like. It's yep. the country. That's where my wife's from. It's the country, trust me. Uh, and beautiful country, by the way. It is. But that state has a law that says, uh, really restricts the movement, the legal movement of a weapon from your home to your business, to, your, to the gun range, to just carrying it for uh, protection if you've got to make a night deposit at the bank. So it's allowed some space inside the, you know, under the sort of the castle doctrine for self-defense, but very much restricts the movement of that weapon with you. And uh, if you look at Heller and now you look at the composite of the Supreme Court, which has changed since 2008 and become, I would agree, more conservative, I think New York State's going to take a loss on that law. And you're going to see another round of criticism of the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court is not going to come out and say it, but they're going to put in their dicta, which is sort of the between the lines and, uh, you know, uh, of the of the opinion. It says, go back to your legislature and make a law that will pass the Supreme Court <laughs> interpretation of the Constitution. And that's what I think we're going to see. Right. And and as far as any kind of new legislation or action, 
it'll be window dressing, you know, I mean, and, and it'll, it'll target such a minor aspect of the larger problem that we have that it won't be worth anything. And to give you an example, if you remember after the, oh, I get all these tragedies mis- mixed up, but after the one out in Las Vegas where the yeah. uh, dude was up in the hotel room. It's the Jason out, Aldean concert. Yeah, that's right. At the, the country music concert there, it was just shooting folks from um, whatever floor it was of, of the, um, it's like it wasn't the 30 Delano, but uh, Mandalay Bay. There you go. Um, you know, um, President Trump announced that we're going to have a ban on bump stocks. You know, I, why should anybody have bump stocks? And and directs Attorney General Jeff Sessions to go ahead and uh, step in, and um, we're going to just prevent people from getting bump stocks. Okay, you know, so it's something, and executive action can have an effect. Um, but it's it's not really getting to the underlying problem because the the use of the bump stock there, yeah, it, it enabled this guy to um, convert his weapon from a, uh, in, into what operates in the same manner as an automatic weapon by use of the bump stock. But um, you know, it doesn't change anything. You can make a gun out of a three D printer now. I mean, yeah, you, can, you know, the cat's sure. out of the bag. Look, uh, I, you know, I, I'm fine with banning 3d printers <laughs> um, you know you know my, my brother who is a very conservative older guy he said this years ago he says i'm telling you right now drones need to be banned D- drones is he says i don't trust the government for anything but nobody outside the government should be using a drone because these things are weapon delivery systems that we are unprepared to deal with these things um, should be banned or at the very least severely permitted and i do know that uh, if you're going to be a licensed drone operator they have that they have a license you have to get faa approval because of the capacity that they have to interfere with commercial flights part of me is like yeah i don't think you're wrong i i, th- I think people just haven't quite discovered yet ways in which to utilize them like that when we come back the supreme court temporarily blocks texas's social media moderation law if you don't even know what it is we'll explain it and tell you what just happened next on extra 1063 this is your day in court the winningest team in baseball also has the most saves and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. Hey everybody, Buck Blue here, and as a recent customer of Jim Ellis Automotive and a longtime friend of the Vice President, Stacey Ellis, man, I know Jim Ellis Automotive Group takes pride in being a family-owned and operated business. I saw it firsthand. When Stacey's granddad, Jim Ellis, founded the company back in 71, his goal was to treat every customer like family by offering a car buying experience that was both easy and fully transparent. And it worked. 50 years later, Stacy's dad, Jimmy Ellis, grew the organization to become Georgia's largest family-owned and operated automotive group. And today, third-generation family members like Stacy, along with more than 1,700 dedicated team members, are working hard to uphold the values Jim Ellis Automotive was founded on. And that's why Jim Ellis has been around for over 50 years. Enjoy the advantages of buying your next vehicle from a family-owned and operated dealership. Visit JimEllis.com or stop by any of their 20 20 dealerships located throughout Metro Atlanta. Jim Ellis Automotive, where you can always expect the best. 
This is your day in court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice on Extra 1063. The Supreme Court of the United States temporarily has blocked a law in Texas that would restrict social media companies like Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube to moderate content on their platform. What does it all mean and why did it happen, right? Well, you, you hit the nail on the head by using the word temporarily blocked. So this is not a full-blown court, Supreme Court decision that makes law and precedent and governs, you know, these type of behaviors throughout the country. It is very fact and case specific. It was a Texas law that required Facebook and Twitter and other social media platforms to not allow or, or not to restrict maybe r- far right and far left types of, mm-hmm. of speech basically mm-hmm. it was it was restricting them from having an open platform platforming right, people, right right and of course the technology companies fought back and this is an emergency order remind me what it's called it's a oh from the shadow dock from the shadow dock it sounds it sounds like what we're talking about earlier with the deep web right? <laughs> and the dark, the dark web, web but right. it's really not but what it means is the case hadn't hasn't risen through the mm-hmm. typical federal district court Court of Appeals, Supreme Court, oral argument, full briefing, amicus briefs. Somebody leaks something. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, then they vote and then there's a ruling. So right now the Supreme Court has said, Texas, you can't do this right now. Uh, Get back in court. uh, Technology companies, file your briefs from your white shoe law firms up in New York City and Dallas and uh, that what that means is the the really fancy, smarty people. Mm -hmm. uh, And they'll file these really fancy briefs that have to be bound in books and we're going to hear this out and flesh it out and this will be a story we'll probably be talking about i don't know six to eight months from now when a real case a case that is what they call justiciable just help me help <laughs> it's me easy, that's easy for you to say <laughs> justiciable yeah it's a tough one meaning the court can rule on something mm-hmm. right now they're calling sort of a timeout but it does also seem to me they're giving the state of texas a little bit of direction a little bit of heads up because it is a five to four, which means we don't really like this too much. Uh, come back at it, litigate it, maybe clean it up a little bit, and we'll give you a real opinion. Yeah, I think Florida has a similar statute here. And so, you, you know, the, the temporary stay of enforcement of these um, regulations uh, is, is all that the Supreme Court said, that we're not going to step in and disturb that temporary stay of the enforcement. Um, and, you know, this, this was something that was fought very hard by tech industry groups, um, because it really gets into questions of, you know, what is the extent of the First Amendment? And, and what are platforms like Twitter or Facebook or any social media platform? And, and you know, is this something that you can just put whatever you want out there? Is there a quasi, has it become essentially a governmental um, thing like a utility in yeah, a way, here, yeah. right? Where it's just this platform. And so, you know, can we as a company decide that, we're the arbiters of what we think is uh, acceptable for our platform here, right? Like Twitter says, you know, we're not going to allow you to put out false claims about the election. We're not going to allow you to put out false claims about COVID, right? So who's deciding what's true and false? It's it's entirely up to them to decide that, and they set their own standards. So um, is that a denial of free speech by a private entity, well, who says a private ent- entity can't tell you what you can and can't say on their platform? Or is this become a government, you know, the, the, the tantamount to something that's government action, right? And so the First Amendment issues are really at the core of all this. And I think the court's just not ready to take it up yet because the, the issues aren't 
ripe, haven't gone the whole way through the judicial process to get there yet. And what technology companies are also saying is this needs to be done on the federal level, if not the international level, but certainly not on a, a 50 state state by state level where the law in Texas can be different than the yeah, law in how Alaska. Would you, how would you, I don't understand how you, I mean, look, I'm not smart enough to know, but how you enforce laws that happen in Texas and when it's, when it's a worldwide platform. It's part of the handgun problem. It's part of the abortion problem. I mean, it, it's, a, <laughs> it's a problem that this 50 sovereign states with some interaction through the feds have in so many different things. I mean, about the only thing the states really cooperate well is on roads. And kind of on water, maybe a little bit, but not mm, so not much really. anymore. Yeah. Georgia, yeah. Florida, Alabama, would <laughs> disagree. But, but in those right. cases, have to go to the Supreme Court because yeah. they're yeah. between states. Yeah. Interestingly, but, but you know, we, we yeah. may be in that same um, scenario here if, in fact, this leaked Supreme Court decision on abortion um, is it comes forward and is finalized the way that it appears to be. Um, you know, we may be back to a couple of years from now. You know, people driving across state lines and they're going to try to criminalize driving across state lines. Uh, to seek out this this sort of medical procedure, right? Because they're going to say that if you if you leave the state to go seek an abortion, you're committing murder. You know, there's there's no limit to just how restrictive state by state these laws may go. When the Supreme Court comes out and says this is totally up to the state to decide, there's a lot there, and like you said, we'll probably be back revisiting this sooner rather than later, as the Supreme Court uh, puts a uh, puts a state puts a temporary block on social media um, moderation in uh, the state of Texas. Does, does it make anybody a little concerned that we have a bunch of people that are not so much anymore, but really old, making these decisions about social about, media, about yeah. what about what technology is going to look like for the next twenty five or thirty years? Yeah, like my friend who um, continues to just refer to uh, Tic Tac for, for <laughs> like, that place with all the funny That's videos. A breath, man, and, say, wait, you're go- you're going to be my Supreme Court justice, Tic Tac? Well, that's funny. <laughs> that's so good. If you need legal expert advice, I advise you to reach out to Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice. Bruce, how do folks get you? They need you. Hey, look, keep it simple. You know, today we've talked about a lot of very high-level legal concepts, and Ray and I are perfectly comfortable talking about those things, but keep it simple. You get a DUI, call Ray. You get in a car wreck, call me. These are things we've done literally more than 10,000 times each, and, and we can guide you through this process. It's never as bad as you think it's going to be. You're always best off getting great information from the people who know this stuff inside and out. And that's what we do. So um, call me. It's 404-202-2233. Bruce at Hagen-Law is the email. Um, Anything you say is kept completely confidential and sensitive, and we don't talk about this stuff um, outwardly so so you know that we're going to protect your privacy. But, you know, get the information you need, make informed decisions, and don't just go try to randomly find somebody here. Or, you know, y- you had a cousin who had a barber who had a, a sister-in-law who had a lawyer. And so Sounds you're like a go great person them. to get advice from. Uh, you know, <laughs> talk to the pros, and, and I hate to say it, but that's us. Yeah. The, the days of the general practitioner are pretty much over when I started 35, 37 years ago. There were lawyers that would do, you know, divorce cases in the morning and an auto accident case over lunch, having cocktails with the adjuster and and a criminal case in the afternoon. That really doesn't happen much anymore. Uh, You may have a major and a minor, but you're pretty much got an area or areas of concentration. And that trickles down to every aspect of the of the representation. 
The paralegals are trained, Bruce's paralegals, to knock out personal injury lawsuits, do the interrogatories, to help him prepare for depositions. My paralegals are trained. How do I get a bail bond? Where is the witnesses? You know, who's our investigator? Who's the detectives? That speeds up the process, and it gives us resources. I mean, that's how you fight a war. Uh, for the want of a nail, the shoe was lost, and the want of the—you guys know that poem? It's a very famous poem. It's about Napoleonic War, mm-hmm. and, you know, Napoleon had to retreat uh, from Wellington's onslaught. And for the want of a nail, because he ran out of supplies, they couldn't put a horseshoe on the horse. Mm-hmm. Well, the loss of that horse meant he couldn't pull the cannon. Right. The loss of that cannon meant he couldn't Snowball. win the battle. That's right. It's Tennyson, I think, is the writer. There you go. I, I learned you. so much. Yeah, this guy. Listening to Ray. Yeah, I'm telling you, this guy's where it's at. This has been your day in court. If you need help, these are the men to call and make sure you do in, in a very quick manner. Don't sign anything, as Bruce just pointed out a little bit ago. Do not sign and anything. And have a nail in your back pocket. And have a nail in case you need to uh, to, to make sure the horses shoot and you can pull on the uh, the cart and get everybody. You know what I mean. This is your day in court on Extra 106.3. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. Hey everybody, Buck Blue here, and as a recent customer of Jim Ellis Automotive and a longtime friend of the Vice President, Stacey Ellis, man, I know Jim Ellis Automotive Group takes pride in being a family-owned and operated business. I saw it firsthand. When Stacey's granddad, Jim Ellis, founded the company back in 71, his goal was to treat every customer like family by offering a car buying experience that was both easy and fully transparent. And it worked. 50 years later, Stacy's dad, Jimmy Ellis, grew the organization to become Georgia's largest family-owned and operated automotive group. And today, third-generation family members like Stacy, along with more than 1,700 dedicated team members, are working hard to uphold the values Jim Ellis Automotive was founded on. And that's why Jim Ellis has been around for over 50 years. Enjoy the advantages of buying your next vehicle from a family-owned and operated dealership. Visit JimEllis.com or stop by any of their 20 dealerships located throughout Metro Atlanta. Jim Ellis Automotive, where you can always expect the best. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com.